What's good, world? This is Miles Hodges reporting live from Lennox. Small talk on big issues. I'm here with the Evans and Maya, and this week we discussed Malcolm after the anniversary of his assassination on February 21st. Happy Sunday. Enjoy. when a person you know kind of evolves into an ideal you know and I think Malcolm X has become that for a lot of people um, a lot of times when people feel that a, a rage I feel like rooted in either racial injustice or personal injustice you know they kind of harness uh, that, that, that they, they, they harness kind of like the spirit of, of Malcolm X um, it was interesting. We were watching an interview with the, the the organizers for the women's march, and they they talked about how how much they identified with Malcolm X and how much that's the that's energy amazing. they were trying to yeah. you know bring to the women's march, and that's who like was kind of galvanizing them you know in their pursuits, and that's how widespread his legacy is. You know that's how much like the idea like when a man becomes like the ideal, that's how much how widespread that is. I think like there are very few people as impactful, you know, as Malcolm X. Does he? Do you feel like he taps into like as as a woman? Um, to me, I look at I was I I have often looked at at and towards Malcolm X uh, as a symbol of of uh, black masculinity, but um, it shows how like frankly, kind of patriarchal the world is uh, mm-hmm. that I forget often at times to uh, think about how like that his his aura and his character could have been just as like defining and <laughs> dope to women mm-hmm. um, I mean I think definitely like my feelings about Malcolm X are really complicated and increasingly so as Ooh, I get older why um, so well when I was younger i was like obsessed with malcolm x i remember in third grade like we had to like write a book report about a historical figure and i chose malcolm x and i was like obsessed with him and yeah. asked for like malcolm x posters for like my birthday and stuff like yeah. really i was about about him um and then i think like as i just got older i started learning a little bit more about like his life um the content of his speeches um because he didn't really write necessarily a lot or like publish any writings um and then I think like the real game changer for me, which I think was maybe the case for a lot of people because it was such like a seminal work, but like Manning Marables, um, was like the life and death of Malcolm X. Is that what it's called? So I, like, I remember I read that one summer and then I, I just remember like finishing some chapter that was about his relationship with Betty Shabazz. Right. And I had this, I have this Malcolm X poster on my wall right next mm-hmm. to my bed, like up by where my, like, my head is. And I just remember like I stopped reading for a minute and I just I kind of looked up at the poster and I was like, oh man (laughs) like does it make sense for me to have this man like right where i sleep looking down you know looking down on me like (laughs) like wow he's like he's my like protector he's my you know my i mean like to have a poster somebody right by where your head is i feel like that's like a sacred spot so i you know i've it's still there Mm -hmm. um because i think like something that i think black women often have to grapple with is like a choice between 
like different allegiances yeah we're, which is unfair and like an unfair request but like a reality so on one hand Malcolm X means so much to me because he was so incredibly unapologetic about his blackness, um, about challenging white people, about challenging authority, about like was quite radical for his time yeah. in terms of the kinds of questions he asked yeah. um, about our society, about the U.S. government, all of that. And that means so much, right? Like to have somebody who was just that uninterested in even like being friends with white people. You know, he was not like trying to find common ground. He was like, no, like I, we need our resources. We need our communities to be stronger, but we don't need you. And I think that's really meaningful today still. Um, you know, like I, the pressures of white liberalism are always pushing for like, oh, let's find common grand, ground and come together and hold hands. Yeah. And he was like, I don't really need to hold your hand. Yeah. You know, and t for a while he was like that. Mm. I think that's important. But then I'm also like, he was pretty sexist in a lot of ways, was incredibly dismissive of his wife in private settings. Um, kind of the way he spoke about her was a little hotep-ish or could be used for hotep purposes now. <laughs> and basically, like, I don't know that he really awarded her like her full humanity and he awarded women their full humanity. So it's like, as a black woman, where do I stand mm -hmm. with that? Uh, we can end the podcast right there. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think we're, I think we're good. <laughs> yeah. And. That's why it would kill me, I think, to learn that he straight up disrespected Betty and like, <laughs> um, and didn't value black womanhood, right? So mm -hmm. it, it, I, there's always a little bit of an elephant in the room, and this makes me sad too, as a true as a true Malcolm um, fan. I 100% agree with you, Maya, in the sense that like uh, a place like white liberal progressive quote-unquote progressive folks like preach this inclusionist shit sometimes to almost like deflect the necessity of a of like the black need to stand up for itself at, at any cost um uh so i think that malcolm really represented that his like the the black leader who those white liberal progressive folks who throw on like fund the monuments to go up obviously the elephant in the room is like martin luther king right but like that dude was that dude was as it's so interesting that he was seen as like this kind of like southern like kind of preaching genteel kind mm -hmm. of dude actually yeah. was the more like could be seen as the more flawed character mm -hmm. through the prime years of their um, civil rights activism. Like 100%. Martin straight up cheated on Coretta. Yeah. <laughs> straight <laughs> up cheated on Coretta. Yeah. So I think that that type of stuff, and it is that, it is in that kind of like, for me to have you develop an identity, maybe this is formed in your teenagers, whatever, as like, uh, like against that kind of, uh, you want to be a little bit of rebellious and the heroes that you search for are the ones that speak um, to your like more visceral sides. And Malcolm was always that guy for me. Right. Mm -hmm. Was always that guy for me. Um, and, and 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 if he disrespected Betty and was like unable to communicate and unable to be like a uh, 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 a helpful partner, that would suck. Um but I think also just informed the way that I like. That's why reading this it was so was so mm -hmm. kind of cool, and actually just took my love to Malcolm to a to a whole other level. 
It's like how if the like he like you said he was able to be like all these individuals mm-hmm. in one. So so I get I still don't know could use education on and am confused by the fact that like white that white liberalism has invested so much worth into Martin Luther King. Like is that is the great lie the fact that like white liberal folks have like funded the legacy of Martin Luther King at the expense of Malcolm X because like Mar- Martin was like this flawed dude who they felt like they could exactly. kind of like package up and control. I would say it was you, at the ex- yes? expense. I would say yes. Is that a radical thing to say? I don't think at all. I think it's at the expense of both the legacies also. Because I feel like when you kind of wash over uh, Malcolm or uh, Martin's legacy, rather, you don't see how how truly radical he was in a lot of his speakings and a right. lot of his per, like, a lot of his purpose. Uh, if you haven't seen "I Am Not Your Negro," go check that out. One of the things that James Baldwin quotes pulled from that talks about is how towards the end of their That's lives, they definitely one hundred percent. Ralph Peck's coming. Oh no, I can't say that on thing. <laughs> no, but he talks about how Martin and Malcolm both drew so heavily from one another that they pulled closer together in their ideological leanings towards the end of their lives. So when you kind of scrub uh, Mars' legacy and cast Malcolm as the bad guy, which is what people are learning too. I was mm-hmm. having this conversation today yeah. with one of my co-mentees uh, at Fordham. She talked about how elementary school, I was taught that Martin Luther, uh, Martin Luther King, good guy, we're not going to learn about Malcolm. He's kind of the villain. You know, mm-hmm. He's kind of the bad guy. We don't like him. And she carried that with her until she got to college. And that's so many individuals carry that idea of Malcolm. They yeah. can't even begin to see the complexity, you know? Yeah. Like, you guys are extremely fortunate that you guys saw Malcolm as a hero growing up and are, you know, you were able to address the complexity of his life and who he was as an individual, you know, much, well, address that at all. A lot of people never even get to that level. You know, I feel like that's an extremely special uh, piece of history to really, you know, uh, digest. And it's important to do that as well. Mm-hmm. Isn't the other piece of this though that like these guys did their work and their personal like you know what I mean like that like a lot of their work we should really be talking about their work as opposed to like their flaws or lack of flaws in their person like where does the convert mm-hmm. at what point does a like does a leader actually um should be evaluated by his, like the the sum of his work mm-hmm. compared to uh, the the like either rumored understanding or actual understanding of his personal like life. That's a are they the important? Question. Kind of it is. It is a like important question. I feel like we still ask that all the time about everyone, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, anyone who's famous ends up we. Like even people who are not political or who are not don't have right. work that like impacts people in right. any kind of like political way that we still judge them by their personal life. And I don't know that it's necessarily a bad thing. I think people can get carried away with it in that they like erase their like the value of their work sometimes mm-hmm. by focusing on their personal life. Um, but I also don't know that their personal lives are irrelevant. Right. Like, I mean, I had this po- like this man hanging on my wall for mm-hmm. like. 10 years you know right above my head and um and i think that like that kind of admiration and like what you spoke about being like in love with malcolm looking up to him kind of like modeling yourself in some way after him or understanding yourself through um his words right like then his personal life matters in some way 
what you see a lot with the more modern day movements is the decentralization, like the explicit uh, lack of a leader because of what America has done to so many black yeah, leaders. It sucks, man. There's like a different spokesperson well, the, does for it our suck? community. Does it suck? There's a different spokesperson for our community like every eight fucking years. Whiteness gets to operate with ever ever having a person who speaks for whiteness mm -hmm. like there whiteness is like the the reason why it gets to function as well and systematically as it does because there it can't be pointed to or 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 like stamped out nobody speaks for whiteness however like who's the most popping or most visible black person of the moment and they ultimately become like a spokesperson for like mm. black culture and it's assumed as this like homogenous thing. It has happened throughout even our mm. like youthful mm -hmm. yet very wise lives. Like remember when Little Wayne for like a th <laughs> for like three and a half years like represented what all black people are and act like and think like Jay-Z gets like the musicians obviously Barack Obama gets yeah. like it, it tasked with having to speak for all black people and I but we agree with that we're cool with that right I'm cool <laughs> but I'm cool with that but I'm cool with that but should we should we not be cool whiteness with that doesn't have, like whiteness never like exactly Donald Trump is not the voice of the white people he's the voice of like a like a like orange man like nobody points his like at him as being the spokesperson for whiteness right like uh -huh. and 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 the system gets to dodge these like these criticisms like because of that because there's no person yet like like white people get to be like all black people are like this like all the time you know what i'm saying so to evan's point we do want to centralize black leaders because white people have the ultimate decentralization, if that makes well, sense. Well, no, no, no. So I, I, I don't think so. I They're think like it's, the Jason I think it's healthier. I think it's healthier actually to just like promote the fact that like black culture is not a homogenous like thing. That like one, it is, and that you know, it's like it is so many things like beautiful and ugly and like not as ugly as white people, but <laughs> but but sometimes ugly and like, you know, like that it is this whole spectrum of like awesome um, and sh what should be kind of just like equal shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, white people have never looked at us with any kind of nuance and they don't now either. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that like something that we all learn really early on, even if we don't have like the words to say it is that like white people are default. Crazy, They're like I white agree. people are in this country are literally default humans. Like mm -hmm. this is human. And then this is alternative human, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, like, Oh my gosh. I mean, band-aids. I yeah. was thinking about band-aids. <laughs> <laughs> band-aids. Um, true. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, like, I don't know. I think I think what you yeah, like what you're saying is I'm kind of I'm looking at my I'm looking at my beige oh, ass. Oh, I'm, looking at, I'm looking at my beige ass and it's like, uh, damn. I just remember I had this like white friend. Nice. I had this white friend in middle school and we were like, I don't know why we were coloring because we were in middle school, so that's a little weird. But um, she she was like, oh, pass me the skin color crayon. Common. She just said she just said the that skin color so crayon. True. Very common. Yeah. And I was like the skin color crayon, and I was like whose skin color? Yeah. Um, but oh, yeah, but people I mean, get that early too. Like yeah. people think it does. Like we don't inter like no. Like we hear that, we see that. It was like mm -hmm. what? Like I hadn't no. thought about that. I hadn't corrected that. Like I haven't used the crayon in a while, but I haven't like. I gave a kid the brown marker. I about. Really? I gave a kid like, oh, you want this? Here you go. <laughs> Good for <sir."> you. <laughs> and then and then and then you know what happened? We got into a fight. The teacher in kindergarten sat us down, 
read us the biography of Martin Luther King. It's <laughs> <laughs> what she did. Oh, man. Whiteness has become a default and how often other races are compared towards white people as if that's the direction we need to be moving you're gonna have to stop talking about my mama right now bro you're gonna have to stop talking about never that man (laughs) right now bro we're talking about whiteness as a construct not white individuals you know that that's another conversation for another day but whiteness as an individual purports itself as a norm to be strived for and you see that in the sciences where racial disparities in health we're not worried about the fact that you have x many people dying from cardiovascular disease we're worried about more people are dying from cardiovascular disease than white people. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to be view- viewing those things as problems in and of themselves. You know, yeah. not problems as it pertains to white people. You know, that's not a that's not a metric that we really want to be using. Um, and you do it, and it seems yeah. like it's so clear across the spectrum. So, so how do we reconcile then that like race is a real thing, and that actually like diabetes exists at higher rates in the black community, if said thing actually does, right? Because like if you try to write all of that off, mm-hmm. then you are, um, then you are, I think one like hurting more black folk, and two contributing to like a post-racial narrative mm-hmm. that is f- so fucked and wrong, and like, and like blatant right like so as soon as you get don't you we can't get all all lives matter on the, no, not, on the not, fucking that's not that's discourse. not exactly what i'm saying what i'm saying is when you're applying for funding for certain things like although you know black people might need different treatments to target the same problems if they don't view it as a significant disparity you won't get priority funding the same way you'll get for like a, a cardiovascular disease. So if I want to study like suicide in black people, yeah. that'll be significantly harder for me to get funding for because su- black people uh, commit suicides at lower rates than white people. Yeah, you know? that's but that's still a huge problem. You know, that's still something we want to be targeting. Right, right, right. And the right. same treatments aren't going to be working for white people. So right, just because it's great less point. than white, doesn't mean we don't target that, doesn't mean we don't look at that. It's a great mm-hmm. point. You know what I mean? It's a great point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the the precedent that becomes like, okay, how do you raise money for like mental health issues in the black community, even though the rates of that are lower than white folks, right? It's like some, some rates. And that's part of the, that's part of the thing. Exactly. Yeah. So like some rates are lower, some rates are higher, some rates we don't know because how we measure has been defined by how white people present certain, certain problems. Like the vast, I don't want to say the vast majority, but a good number of studies are done on what they called, I, I believe the acronym was like weird, like white educated uh i don't remember the whole acronym but it's usually done on white uh college students is what a lot of research is 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 drawn Mm -hmm. from and that's not representative of the samples that I think not I want to be working at think least be right. not over there at Middlebury where y'all were playing right, damn right about that with tree stumps and shit oh like that. You know what I'm if saying? If you're following the podcast, that is the <laughs> second appearance <laughs> I think it's of that joke. It will work into, Trademark it will find, TM. it will find its way into every single <laughs> episode of live. I look forward to it. Linux. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. Okay. But I just want to say quickly, like, I think that even though obviously like Malcolm X, you know, never explicitly, or at least to my knowledge, address like health disparities or something. But I do think that like, I think we center whiteness so much that like the great power of whiteness sort of 
um, is its invisibility and like its standardness. Um, like we use it as like the ruler to measure ourselves, to measure everyone else. Like the world doesn't make sense unless we're seeing it through like white people. That's why I always feel greater than, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, damn, that's fucked up. Sorry. I love you, Baba. I love you. Um, like right now when you're just talking about like people, like white people, not necessarily, I mean, white people are often positions of power. So like not approving research unless it has some kind of relevance to white people, even if that relevance is okay, well, how does this group measure up to white Mm -hmm. folks? Um, like I, I was thinking about how like Gardasil, which was like all the rage for a while, which is like the HPV, it's the HPV vaccine for women. Um, they found that it's not really effective for women of color because only white women were used in, in any of the research. And so like the, that, the, the strand, the strains of HPV that it protects against aren't even found among most women of color. Mm-hmm. And so you have doctors being like, you, you got to get this, you got to get this because HPV is really common among women of color. Meanwhile, this vaccine does nothing for most mm-hmm. people, um, yeah. most people of color who receive it. Um, and so even there, it's just like these weird things were constantly like our bodies to our sort of like the boundaries of our health are again like kept by like whiteness um and that's one of the beautiful things about malcolm x to me like mm-hmm. for at least for a while was that he wasn't even really interested in whiteness like he, yeah he yes. was just like not in, like not even mm-hmm. rejecting of it but just like not interested and i think mm-hmm. that was very scary for a lot of white people and still is very scary for a lot of yeah, white how people. that apathy was read as hatred is mm-hmm. it's a special type of self-centeredness yeah yeah, well, he, right. I mean, I, I, I think that putting yourself in opposition to it, like, yeah, he definitely didn't need, feel like he needed to leverage it to build a following and need to leverage it to empower black folks, mm-hmm. right? Whereas Martin literally tried to leverage, like, inclusionism and, like, hence whiteness to, Drake. D- to build a following. What'd you say? So I just want to throw in Drake. I feel like Drake has Drizzy. leverage. That yeah, that's the other. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's big oh. facts. Big facts. Bro. Nothing bad about it. It's just, you know, yeah. Drake. Wait, is the, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess, like, if you. Yeah. Well, you, you were saying that Malcolm didn't, like, made a conscious choice. I was going to make the, they like, didn't have to do it. And then, frankly, rather cliche, but also very interesting, Carla, that if Drake is Martin, Kendrick is Malcolm, because Kendrick really hasn't, like, like at all tried to just like he's kind of like yeah I'm bl- every project just gets blacker bro. <laughs> every project gets blacker and and drizzy gets more pop and i think that's a really interesting you i know? just don't want to do that to martin is the thing yeah, I, I know, like, do that to Martin, you Martin know? Drake. And my, ooh. Okay. I, I, get, I get your point. Both your of point. y'all hate right, right now. Okay. Hey, who? Stop it. Stop Both it. Stop it. Stop right it. Now, but, stop but, it. But Drizzy is still <laughs> Drizzy, okay? Soundtrack of the world. Crazy. And we need a man. <laughs> On planet Earth, who can who can create a soundtrack for the world? Okay, and frankly, I I'm happy that it's a black finger in the man, air. Finger okay? in the air. I'm happy that it's a black man. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Feel that. How about that? <laughs> How about that? <laughs> Wrap it. Um, we're gonna do. No, we can just we can just say goodbye. Okay.